This is the dead of night. It has nothing to do with time. It can happen in sunshine or in moonlight, in the best of weather or the worst. For the dead of night is a state of mind, that dark, unfathomed region of the human consciousness from which all the unknown terrors of our lives emerge. The dead of night exists in all of us, and no one knows at what strange, unexpected moment it will make itself known. And so tonight, for your entertainment, three tales, one of mystery, one of imagination, and one of terror. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. Hey guys, it's Terry here. And I hope you enjoyed our conversation about uh, the Night Stalker. Uh, we are now super duper fans of Kolchak, um, and we will never be as cool as him. But I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation last week. Yeah, that was a kind of a hidden gem for me. Uh, and I'm glad that we uh, finally got a chance to discuss it and then uh, coo over it uh, when we watch everything else together in our own separate locations. <laughs> yeah. Just like, compare notes. <laughs> like, we'll, um, we'll just uh, like, text each other, be like, hey, did you watch the next one yet? And I'm like, no. It's like, oh, well, I thought we had something, you know? And then one of us will be upset that the other one didn't get to the rest of it yet. And then know? when we're going to play, I'll, I'll text you and I'll push. I'll say push play. And then we'll <laughs> feel like we're watching it together. Yeah. Right. That's what that's. I like it. That's, um, that's, that's, you know, that, that, you know, that's the way it should be. No. Uh, so, all right, everybody, welcome to strange highways. This is the show in which we, uh, do watch the twilight zone. Uh, uh, it is an anthology based podcast. We have been watching the twilight zone in order. Uh, well, kind of sort of, but we are doing up the segments in order. We did the original series, uh, and then we did, uh, the Paramount plus two seasons that were there. And now we're, uh, firmly in the middle of the eighties, uh, season one, we had taken a break cause that was a long stretch cause the segments, uh, there's a lot of segments to, to get through there. And we've been doing a series of detours. Uh, this is the last detour we'll be taking before we get to the rest of season one of the twilight zone. So if you, if you all have been waiting for us to get some more twilight zone, it is coming. I hope you've enjoyed these detours. I've enjoyed them. It's always kind of nice to kind of, you know, um, take a step back and kind of as much as I love the twilight zone, it, it's just great sometimes to, you know, partake of some other, other media, you know, sometimes. So, and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's, you know, it gives people perspective sometimes of like, what maybe was, uh, you know, influence those things that we're covering too. Cause I mean, there definitely was some connective tissue between 
a lot of the things that we cover on our detours and the Twilight Zone. Absolutely. And and, and so tangentially, what we're getting into tonight is another made-for-TV movie, uh, Dead of Night, that was, uh, it's directed by uh, Dan Curtis, we'll talk more about him in a second, uh, but also written by Richard Matheson. So because we had covered The Night Stalker, and that was a very successful and fun watch, but also a good uh, Dan Curtis produced a made for TV movie. It's like, well, why not do another, like one of those and say, Hey, you know, that was a home run. This has to be a home run too. Right. Right. Terry. Right. It has to be a home run. Uh, well, we'll get into it. <laughs> so, so yeah, this is a dead of night, uh, air date, um, on NBC. So that was, you know, so just think about that too. That was at the time when there were still like three TV channels. So this was the one third of the viewing opportunities that evening was dead of night, uh, March 29th, 1977. Number one film was called, um, what called like, uh, as if you'd never heard this title before the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh, never heard of that. Um, <laughs> number one song, rich girl by Daryl Hall and John Oates. Um, and then uh, I couldn't find anything for March 29th day and eight, but I did find something from March 10th. So 19 days before, uh, the rings of Uranus are discovered. <laughs> well, that is, uh, that's important news. And I'm glad that, uh, I know exactly when it happened now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's always important to know that when the rings of, uh, you know, uh, uh, Uranus has been discovered, but I just, I couldn't help it. I'm like, well, that's worthy of note. And I, you know, I think even like Chevy Chase made the joke during it, like uh, a weekend update for Saturday Night Live at that time, talking about how they've now discovered dark rings around Uranus. So, um, the, yeah. The only thing I would bring up as far as uh, news would be uh, March 23rd, Elvis Presley begins his final concert tour. Oh, so. see, that's that, you know, I feel like that would have been probably a better day and date thing than me making a, you know, a butt joke. So, um, but yeah, there you go. That's our day and date. That's uh, for relative to that time for for Dead of Night. Um, you know, uh, there the, there was a film. The number one film uh, had Pooh in the title, and just before that, some dark rings were discovered around Uranus. So there you go. There, everybody. I'll see you. Good night. Good show, Terry. Um, talk to, talk to you later. We're well, and uh, don't forget about where Elvis was found either. <laughs> so. I guess it kind of does all still connect. It all, it all is connected. You're right. So, all right. Uh, so yeah, let's just get into who did what here. All right. So our director, uh, obviously you just talked about it, but Dan Curtis, uh, most famous, I believe for, uh, all of the things that he brought to, uh, dark shadows and the world of dark shadows. He was producer for the show. There was some made for TV movies. Um, I, I have not really gotten into dark shadows. Uh, I'm really interested because I know there is a huge fan base for it. It's kind of like, like for me, as far as the genre of horror, that seems to be people's like dark, sh- or, uh, I'm sorry, they're uh, Doctor Who. So. That's fair. And I, but I think it's like, since it was a daily, you know, like a weekly, like five day a week soap opera, I think there's like 1200 episodes or something. So that's. Oh, it's nuts. It's, it's, yeah. it's a little overwhelming, but I, I do want to dig into it. And even to kind of like bring it into the, like the, the most, you know, like pop culture uh, you know, it was re- it was remade into a movie, which apparently they're going to try to get a second installment to that too. But I heard it was I heard it was trashed. So. Not, not very good. Um, <laughs> I, no, I went to like um, uh, my wife and I went to go see it in the theater at the time, and uh, you know, it, it, it just like not to not to go too far off into it, but it felt like you know, like I I think Tim Burton still is like he's made some amazing movies like but there's times where it's like, ah, Tim Burton, can you just stop Tim Burtoning it for a second? 
You know, like, can you just calm down? Just dismiss. Also, I know Johnny Depp, you know, at one time was like this amazing actor, but it's like, also, can someone like, you know, yank his leash a little bit too and calm him down? You know, like, that's what it felt like. It felt like it was like a little too much at times. That's, I mean, that's fair. It looks that way. But I think that was supposed to be built towards a, a supposedly the campiness of Dark Shadows. I can't speak towards that again. Uh, never watched the show. I think maybe it probably wasn't as campy as maybe that movie was trying to make it. But, yeah, it just, um, there was one, there was one joke in the beginning about um uh like it was it something about golden arches like about like you know and the old lore and then like and it became a McDonald's joke. I know it's product placement, but it was actually like like the Johnny uh, Johnny Depp's face like the sight gag of him in the modern day and like and like revolting at this like evil sign that he had read about or something was actually not a bad gag. But you know, if that's my only thing I remember from it, other than it was like Christopher Lee's like last film, and you could tell he was just sitting at a table, you know, like you're like, oh come on, like we don't mm. like just let him let him be, <laughs> you know. So anyway, yeah, that that wouldn't be the first uh, time that he worked with a star in that kind of like uh, smaller capacity. He also worked with uh, um, like Vincent Price in Edward Scissorhands, and he was like counting his days too at that time yeah but at least he was more tangible like he was like a big part of that story but that's a different yeah you're right that's a different um different thing altogether but yeah so dan curtis yeah you know kind of responsible for that or at least as a producer and i know there was a revival of the show for a minute but dan curtis like it seems like his bread and butter in terms of like his output was mainly like the 70s uh yeah. and so like obviously got the tv show uh trilogy of terror another made for tv movie written by matheson um mm. That one's pretty good. Uh, funnily enough, people remember one particular segment of that movie as opposed to the other two. Um, and maybe maybe that's the rule with these productions. I don't know. Um, he also directed Burn Offerings, which is a great movie. It's weird. Um, if you've not seen that, you should check it out. It's really cool. Um, and then he also did uh, 74's uh, Dracula with Jack Palance as uh, as Dracula. Um, and, and I, you know, sounds that one just sounds interesting to me too. Cause I just, you know, I just never saw Jack Palance as uh, Dracula. Can't get enough Draculas, right? We should talk about some more Draculas. We need more Draculas. <laughs> this would be like, that would be funny if like we actually decided to do next week, do like that one. And well, like we have, we have three Draculas in a row, you know, whatever. And, yeah. and Zoltan, if we wanted to bring that, <laughs> <laughs> just keep having all the Draculas. So, but yeah, so yep. Obviously a uh, lot to talk about in his career will probably uh, be, talking about him again in the future sometime. Um, but yeah, so next year, um, I want to give, give credit to the narrator. Uh, we have John Denner. Uh, I think that's how his name is pronounced, right? Den Denner. I didn't write it down, so I'm willing to trust yeah. you. So, yeah, well, we talked about this gentleman during, uh, season five of the twilight zone. He did, he was in three episodes of the original series. Okay. He was in the lonely, he was in the jungle and he was in Mr. Garrity and the gray. Oh no, he's okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Shit. I didn't pick up on that. Cause, uh, he's the, when we did Mr. He was, he was Mr. Garrity. He was Mr. Garrity. And yeah. I he loved him the, in that. And he's really good in the jungle. And he's, uh, Oh, he's the one in the lonely that actually says this. A robot. That's him. Yep. Thank you for that call. All right, man. Look at me falling on my keys. 
And then, of course, uh, I don't want to forget the the fact that he was an episode of Hawaiian Eye. So, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> coming that, back, I like that. So, okay, thank you for that. So, um, I you know, so just real brief here. Uh, we know this is written by Richard Matheson. Uh, he took the story Second Chance. We're going to talk about it's the first segment. It was based mm-hmm. upon a Jack Finney story, which we just talked about him because he wrote the Body Snatchers. So, there right. we go. Yeah. So, I d- just to kind of give reference, because of this and. Uh, uh, movie built on three anthology stories. We kind of separated the notes out a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, we usually do that in these kinds of cases. So the typically, the probably the writing crew would be a little different for each story. No, <laughs> Matheson took on all three stories in some capacity or the other. Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, so the story written by Jack Finney, and then the screenplay was done by Matheson, and then our cast, and we're going to try to make this as brief as possible because there is a lot of people here. Yeah, so let's, but, so for the segment of Second Chance, and then we'll talk about that bit. And then, so yeah, this one has the biggest cast, I think. Yeah, right? Biggest the cast? Yeah, this game. is okay. the biggest cast okay. of all three stories. So did you, you wanted to just talk the cast first? Yeah, let's just, we'll just talk it out like segment by segment because we'll just do the cast for this and then we'll get through it and then we'll talk. Like it just, it'd be simpler because we're going to start talking about character names. And I, you know, I don't want to bounce all over the place. If we're like discuss all of the cast and then talk about the segments, I think they get a little confusing, at least for me. So, okay. Yeah, so, okay. so yeah. So we, our introduction is to, uh, Ed Bagley Bagley. Um, yeah. he he's going to a farm where he meets up with an older gentleman. Um, it, I'm sorry. Ed Bagley plays Frank, Frank Cantarell. And, um, you know, a lot of people will probably know him from like She Devil, uh, A Mighty Wind. <laughs> like She Devil is your first one you bring up for Ed Begley. Yeah. I think that's great. Okay, yeah. that's funny. I <laughs> I appreciate that. No, um, I um I got him. You know, obviously, he's one of those guys that he, very recognizable. Uh, he was in Arrested Development. Uh, played a great character there. He was in uh, the most recent seasons of Better Call Saul. Uh, I love Ed Begley Jr. Um, so yeah, but. Yeah, so he's he's our lead here, and we'll just yeah, let's just fire through who um, who else is in this. We'll get to him and his car purchase, right? So we have uh, who else do you have here for the cast for uh, uh, Second e- Chance? EJ Andre, he plays Mister McCarley. McCarley, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was in Magic, which we discussed not too long ago, and Ten Commandments. Uh, then Ann Doran, she was uh, Mrs. McCarley. Uh, she was in Them. And an, an episode of the 80s Twilight Zone, which we'll be coming up and discussing soon enough. Uh, Christina Hart, she plays Helen. She was in the Healthy, Helter Skelter miniseries from the 70s. And in some episodes of Happy Days. Um, Oren Cannon plays Old Farmer. That's uh, the guy who is selling the car, I believe, in the yeah. beginning here. So we'll talk about him in a sec. But he was in Trilogy of Terror and Burnt Offerings. Uh, John Lee... Uh, Jean, I think it's the, I think it's uh, Jean or Jean, Jean Lebouvier. Yeah, I, I knew because of the French, it was probably going to be I was going to mispronounce it either way. But yeah, she plays uh, Mrs. Cantrell. Uh, she she was in a bunch of episodes of Days of Our Lives. Uh, Dick McRaven, um, he plays Mister Dorset, and uh, he was in Blowout and Die Hard Two. And Scrooge. I just know that you like Scrooge, so I wanted to make sure. Oh, great. That, yeah. Love it. Um, and then Karen, uh, Karen Hurley plays Mrs. Dorset. Um, there's only two other credits to her IMDb, and I wasn't familiar with the other two. But, yeah, yeah. that's our cast. Okay. 
So yeah, we got um, we got our character here, a Frank. Um, he is uh, going out to this old this old farm, and he's talking to this gentleman who has an old car that's been sitting in this barn, and it's um, a, a nineteen twenty six Jordan Playboy. Um, like Jordan Playboy sounds like that's the name of like I don't know. Um, it sounds like a like a, a wrestler that is just you know just like a like a sexy you know like a like um what was like not a Valvinus but like a, like a ravishing Rick Rude you know like there that's a that's a Jordan Playboy right there that's what it sounds like, like that's to me. the Big John Stud the Big right John there. Stud yeah that's yeah but you got like is this a 1926 Big John Stud yeah that's, I have one in the, the garage there you know whatever yeah. So this car has seen better days. Like um, it looks worse than Christine did whenever uh, Arnie found it. I yeah, think. this thing yeah. this thing looks like it was dropped off of a building. So it's in pretty rough shape, and it's primarily because um, there was an accident. The two that the two passengers or the driver and passenger were hit by a train that they were trying to um, cross the tracks ahead of. And it killed them, destroyed this car pretty much, and it's been in the hands of this farmer ever since that that happened. And uh, yeah. I'd tra- or, uh, I'm sorry, Frank tracked this guy this car down because he's a real car guy, and like it's been his dream to get a hold of a Playboy. Oh, well, hold on, <laughs> the Jordan <laughs> Playboy. <laughs> this is his Playboy, um, the Jordan Playboy, and you know, make it his own, like revamp the car to its a uh, pristine look that it had when it was, it rolled off the assembly line. Yeah. And so like, so the other, the, the weird thing about this segment is that it's all, we get like Frank narrating this whole segment. And because this thing's only like maybe 20 minutes, the bulk of the segment is just him. You just hear his like talking the entire time. And as much as I love Ed, Ed Begley, um, like he's early enough in his career here that there's really no emotion to him. Like talking, like his narration and it's like, also it feels a little stilted. I mean, I love Matheson as a writer, but this feels like this was like, Hey, um, we got a crowbar as much exposition in here as possible to explain everything. And I think it kind of sunk the segment other than what the story is. It was just kind of, okay, stop, stop telling. How about you show us? That's fair. Yeah, that's completely fair. And yeah, it's not like, you know, like stand by me where there's narration during the entire movie, but there's actually like emotion built into it too. Yeah. And, so and there's not much interaction with uh, different people in this. Like some of it's literally just like flybys and in this little town. That's true. So, not, yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, but like, so that's the um, the events here speed up quickly because he gets a hold of the car, and then he fixes the car up. So we see the car when it's completely done, uh, pretty much in the next scene, and he wants to take it to the town that he like. You know, like, I guess, like, it's nearby that I don't know. Like, wh- what was the point of going to the town? I couldn't so, really remember. It, so basically, he finished his car, you know, makes it look like it just rolled off the showroom floor, you know, whatever. And he makes the decision that before he gets it officially, like, plated uh, for, you know, modern day, he's going to put the original plates on because he still had them. And he had the original, like, basically a key fob. And he was trying to make it as like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go and travel the back road to the nearby town just as it as it was then. You know, like he's like, um, I'm going to drive this car. He basically is like, you know, which there's a part of me that could appreciate. Like I've taken this time to restore this 1926 vehicle. I'm going to take what was the main roadway then into this town that, you know, 
existed then. Cause he's like, basically like, like this feels right. Like, you know, like I'm going to take this car to where it would have been, you know, during this time. Uh, and so that's why he did it. Cause his mom was like trying to be like, well, why don't you take the highway? He's like, basically he's like, this car was never built for like that kind of highway, like speed. And also he's like, this car doesn't deserve a highway. It deserves like a nice leisurely drive into this, like, you know, Crestview or whatever. So that's why he does it. Right. It's just kind of like, it's just a little bit of a joy ride. He wants to kind of get himself in that. Like, you know, he wants to be nostalgic. I mean, clearly he's, he's driving a car that he restored, right? I don't blame him. Like that. I mean, it, does, it isn't made quite clear, but that's what I believe the intent is. Yeah, and it, basically the uh, the idea of uh, driving this on a road at the daytime would be a better idea too, mm-hmm. because it doesn't have some of the safety features uh, <laughs> of of you know normal day car. I mean, yeah. you know, no seat belts, more than likely. Yeah, obviously seat. Um, you know, airbags wouldn't be a thing at that time either. <laughs> yeah. So I like it. So we got the, this big thing about like, um, as he's driving down this road, uh, he, he starts seeing other older cars, like driving the opposite direction. Uh, though the one thing I like is this one guy's riding his ass and like speeds around him. He's like, get a horse. And this drives away. I thought that was funny. Um, but there's this whole thing about how, he is. He starts to kind of talk about what happens next. Is that there's this whole metaphor about how time isn't like. There was this whole description about how time was like a river where there's bends in the, the in front of you and behind you. Where just because you can't see them doesn't mean that they're not there, and that sometimes maybe you know you can slip in, uh, you know, and it slip like slip out of time and into the past if like if things are just kind of right. And that's what happens. He ends up going back to what is a Crestview or wherever the name of the town is. He ends yeah, up in like, like, yeah, he goes there in 1926 because not only, cause it's like, you almost get the notion too, if he would actually put like a modern plate on it or something and kept it like in the modern day, the car wouldn't like, it wouldn't have worked, you know, that kind of thing, uh, which is something Matheson's kind of, he's played with that before in his book. Um, was a bedtime farewell, uh, which became somewhere in time with, um, uh, Christopher Reeve. Um, that was the whole thing of him like doing self hypnosis and convincing himself he could go back in time. But part of that was to have everything on your person had to be from then, like anything that would be um, like anchored in the present day. Like you, if you couldn't, if you had that on your person or saw it, it would break that connection. So this is something Matheson plays with. Like he, you could tell he's been visiting this a couple of times in his writing. Yeah. It's a really interesting concept. And I, I, I like where it's going here, but um, yeah. we'll, we'll get to the end here. But like, yeah. but yeah, he goes back to this town and he decides to just park the car. And it's late night now. People are kind of bustling around. Um, seems like there's a club by that people are partying at. And that, oh, and there's an old theater. So then you see people kind of coming out of the theater, coming out of the, the different places that they're partying. And all of a sudden, he looks down the roadway where he parked his car and like somebody has ganked his car. Somebody's in his car now and driving it. He's like, Hey, what are you doing? I stopped. That's my car. And he's like, wait, get, get out of here. ass!" You know, like this is my car. And, yeah. Um, but with him, like he, he makes them stop for a second. Right. And then right. like they just take off and, you know, and he's like, but that's my car. And then these, this couple like says, Hey, like what's going on? Did they take, like, did somebody take your car? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, well, that looks a lot like so-and-so's car. Are you sure it's yours? Like, I like that. It's just like, Oh, you know, that, I mean, you know, like, like the idea that there couldn't have been like, you know, identical 1926 Jordan playboys there, you know, whatever. 
Like I, it's one of those things that like, I'm sure you have, you know, you have a black SUV. How many of those do you see while driving around that, that are your make and model of car, Terry? Every, every day, every <laughs> single day. I swear to Christ. Like yeah. I see like five of them around me at any one point. Like I park next to them all the time at the grocery store and everything. I'm like, how, how did I get one of the most popular colors and, you know, makes and models yeah so so yeah so but he's like uh you know maybe he's i like the whole thing he's like well i'm, I'm sure he'll bring them back <laughs> yeah that's what people do when they take cars they bring them back um <laughs> you know but then he uh there's this whole weird thing like there's like this walking distance type of thing where he's like i guess i'm stuck in 1926 i could go to this house and knock on the door and then you know, i would know there's a nine-year-old boy up there that might hear me that will one day become my father i'm like i don't think i'd want to see my father is a kid. I think that'd be too weird for me. So he doesn't go in. Good on him. Yeah, that was a that was a right choice there. And even the two the the couple that he um you know like they interact with him about the stolen car, quote unquote. Um, he recognizes their name, and it's like some neighbor of his like has the same name. So he's kind of like putting these pieces together. But at the same point, I think he isn't overwhelmed enough. Yeah. By the fact that he's in the past, like this is, I mean, like if you, I mean, I'm, I have to bear a base on things that I've seen that are other time traveling films, like to watch the, uh, the original time machine. He, he is floored by everything that's going on around him. He's very confused, but he knows he went there. This is a guy who made the choice. This guy accidentally did it and he's not asking enough questions. He's not. (laughs) doing enough for his own research. I'm sorry. I just made a noise. Uh, no, no, it's just like, it's just, it's one of those things. It's like, uh, yeah, he's like, Oh yeah, there's one day that one day those will be the grandparents of a friend I know. And it's like, it's like, you know, it could also like go to these people and be like, Hey, my car got stolen. Also take some notes. There's a guy named Hitler. You, you might want to tell people about him, you know, They're like, broke. yeah, fair, fair, fair. <laughs> you know, just be like, also, Hey, um, you know, um, if you have any stocks, maybe reconsider soon. You know, like I was going to go that route too, like yeah. uh, Time Cop. Like, hey, where is uh, this person's uh, uh, dad? I want to go to him and tell him who's going to win, like the 1930 yeah. World Series. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm looking for um, I'm, I'm looking for uh, Mr. Jonathan Google. I need to talk to him. I have, I want to uh, <laughs> give him some money. You know, um, is is Daniel Yahoo around? I have some. I have some. Like, you know. Anyway, so yeah, it's just like he's just like I guess I'll just window shop and maybe creep on my my future or like my past family. But he's like, nah. I'm, you know, I'm just chill. And then he ends up sleeping. Like, did you notice he ends up sleeping on his front, his future front porch. And then when he wakes up in the morning, like he's back in like the present. And I'm like, Oh, that's all you got to do is just like, be like, Oh man, I could sleep out here tonight. Sleep it off. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like, sleep it off. <laughs> like how funny would that be? If we got like that brief moment of like someone coming out in 26 being like, this guy's sleeping on this porch. Like, well, like, and no one moved him for like 50 years. And like, they just kind of work their way around him. Like, and he woke up the window. He's like, Oh, I'm back in the present. It's like, no, you've just been here for 50 years. You've been rip van winkling it the entire time. And no one told you, um, that would have been funnier, but anyway, um, but yeah, yeah. it looks like father time with like some <laughs> like long ass beard and everything. I just like the, I know this is 77, but didn't you think it was kind of funny that when he woke up and like the first thing he saw was quote unquote, modern cars driving around like to me i'm just like those things look like i mean they're old too you know i know that they're supposed to be modern but it was just funny to me that's like ah the, the present of 77 you know like <laughs> 45 years ago you know from this recording so anyway yeah 
uh, he kind of shakes it off and was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of weird. Uh, you know, spent all that time and money restoring a car, went back in time, got the car stolen, came back to the present. Guess I'll go to, like finish out my senior year in college now and not talk to anybody about it. That's weird. You know, uh, but that's when the story moves forward where he ends up like saying like, oh, while I was at school, like I had to mean this girl that I'd never noticed before there. And, and like, you know, as they're having like a nice little picnic that she takes him to meet her grandparents. And, um, as they're talking for a second, the, the grandfather was like, Hey, I heard you're into cars. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, um, like I, I forget how they get across it, but he's like, yeah, he's, I had a nice one. It got stolen. He's like, well, what was it? He's like a Jordan playboy. And the guy's like, he's like. Was well, it Frank's like, you've never heard of it. He's like, never heard of it. I have one. Takes him to the garage, shows him this, this car. And, um, <laughs> it gets weirder because, because Frank's like, Oh, what happened? And they, they, you basically find out that this couple's had this car forever, but, uh, for whatever reason, they recall a certain night in 26, whenever they went to go, uh, race a train, but then didn't do it. Like last second, they decided not to cross over the, the, um, the, you know, whatever the crossing. Right. And then Frank asks very specific questions of like, Hey, you remember a uh, 50 some years ago, was there some dude yelling at you that your car, like, that you were stealing their car? And they're like, I don't remember. Like who would remember that? Yeah. I, they couldn't even remember what they were doing in town either. So yeah. it's like, all they remember is that moment when they didn't get killed. Which so, is so- funny because it's <laughs> like, you would think that of that moment that night, you'd be like, Oh, I'm glad we didn't do that. But is it was unless, unless like they, like they had like a big fight or like shortly thereafter one proposed to the other. Like that seems like it's one of those memories that would get lost to time. Maybe. I don't know about you. Well, I think they could have shortened this part of the segment down just a tad because it's like, we already understand as a viewer. We don't need more context here. Yeah. Like, do, do you remember there was a guy and he kind of looked like me? Yeah. Like, <laughs> he kept waving. And he's like, and he was doing this and he just, and, he, and then Jr. like raises his arms and wave him above his head. Like, like that is something that nobody has ever seen before. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like was it a guy like this? Like, look like me, you know? They're like, I, I can't recall. And then the, like, and, we understand yeah. you're the one and you know, you're the one that, you know, stop them for that split second. And now the outcome is here's the car again. And there's the girl that you're going to fall in love with. But yeah. it's like, but yeah. So, uh, the old man, um, I think this is what Mr. Mr. Dorset. I think this is, okay. but like, he's, he's the one that says, so I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what he's like, I know how much you like restoring cars. I'm going to give you this car. As long as you promise to take me for a ride. I think he says, yeah, when it's all fixed up in that. And the dude's like, Frank's like, what? Whoop. Oh, okay. No problem. So it's like, he gets his car back and now like, and then like you fast forward through narration here that he actually ends up fa- uh, falling in love with the girl and then getting married to her later. Yeah. I like so. the idea that it's like his reward for, um, like changing the past is to do the same goddamn job you've already done on this car. You yeah. know, to do it all over again. Yeah. Like, you know, like I'm sure restoring a car takes a lot of like work, right? And then sweat equity. I mean, at least mm-hmm. at that point, I guess you'd be like, well, I already know what the, I know what I got to do this time. But it's like, be like, son of a bitch. I just did this six months ago. You know, like, like, can I, can I restore this and then go back in time and then make sure you guys get hit by that train? Cause I feel like I'm owed something now, you know, like anyway. save the receipts, you know, right. Like you could go, <laughs> go yeah. back. Like, look at this. Yeah. yeah. Look how old this looks. <laughs> 
<laughs> I just bought it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's the story. I mean, it's, it, it has a soft landing fine, whatever. Um, this feels like to me, if like, um, if, uh, lifetime was like, Hey, you know what? What if we got into the, you know, the spooky story business? It'd be like, what well, can't be too scary? What if it's about a car and a love story? I'm like, okay, that that's it. That's our, you know, that's our spooky story that we're going to get into. Lifetime presents gentle spookiness or whatever they call it, you know, ghost hugs. Ghost yeah. hugs. And then, yeah, and then, like, the outcome is make sure you stop for people be- uh, and mm-hmm. listen to them, you know, uh, jaw about you, like, taking their car so you can live. I don't know. Like it's, it yeah. was a weird, like yeah. the more, you know, I, I think it should have been like, like lifetime would do it. They'd be like, they, not lifetime Hallmark channel would do it. And they're like, Hey, that's what I meant to say. Hallmark. They'd be like, we can do the same story, but how do we fit Christmas into it? You know, oh, like, yeah. you know, yep. <laughs> yep, they were. can we, can we do it now? But then have Ed, Ed Begley jr. Play the older guy. Now that hands the car off. I think I think there's some legs here, Terry. We should make some money off of this. Uh, yeah, I mean he's still working, so yeah, maybe. why not? So, yeah, I didn't like the segment. I really didn't like it at all. Um, <laughs> it was okay. It was like it was so. I don't know. It was like saccharine sweet to me. Like, it, I just, it would play better as a written short story, I think, in between other things. You'd be like, oh, okay, you know, like because then it kind of still plays with the notion of time travel when you get a little bit of, you know, like it would be like, oh, all right. Like maybe like a 10, 15 page short story and that'd be it. Like, I don't need this to go on forever, but if you're going to have a, a, a movie called dead of night, I understand the narration said that like one's like one, something, one's a mystery and one's a terror. I don't know. Dead of night implies to me that we're getting, um, we're not getting like feel good happiness stories. And the, the cover art for the, like that's been used in different, like different, uh, versions of this. It implies that it's like just all horror. I think this probably would have done better as like an amazing stories. Yes. That's a episode. good call. Yes. That's a, that's a, yeah, that's a really good call. Um, yeah, that would be perfect. You know, cause it really doesn't fit in this movie because we're about to come into two more serious stories here that like, it just like when it sits beside them, it's like, wait, are we watching the same movie? <laughs> like, yeah. Which I mean, I'm not against having, like, I'm not saying that an anthology should, you know, like you, you want something a little different, right? Like, cause that's why you're getting three stories or whatever. Right. Like, I mean, right. Um, and so not that I'm saying you can't have something that's a little bit more like, like almost like the, would this feel like when we talked about twilight zone, the movie, is this kind of the same thing as kick the can where you're like, well, thank you. Great. Why was this here? Is that kind of how you feel about it? No, I, I, I I was actually going to put that in my notes that it made me feel like I was watching a very similar storyline to kick the can, like that they just wanted to find something else to create that somewhat of a narrative. And it's like almost like those two stories, like the beginning story of the twilight zone movie. And I forget what the name of it is, um, where the guy goes into the past, oh, randomly yeah, yeah. walks out of the, the bar and he's in the past yeah. and kick the can. So it's like, well, I want the sweetness of kick the can, but then we want, you know, this to be somewhat of like a time jump thing where he has to like create better decisions and all that. I don't, it was, I don't know. It was okay. Like, I think I was more interested in seeing the darker stuff. And that was the only thing that really threw me off about it. Yeah. So thankfully we're like, um, so, okay. So if this was a box in the El Paul, it's ice cream. Where would you like, what flavor would you give it of the three? Right. We're going to sign these uh, flavors. This is the chocolate. Cause I don't eat chocolate. ice cream anymore. <laughs> like just as, as a rule, like, um, or like, are you just anti-chocolate ice cream? 
I gave up on chocolate like pretty much a long time ago when I was a kid. I ate too much chocolate. Actually, if you're really talking about like this uh, Neapolitan that my grandfather used to buy, it was the strawberry because it had a big strawberry chunks in it, which were nasty. <laughs> like I don't know if you remember, there was the Simpsons joke where he would go in the fridge and be like, oh, he'd open up a box of Neapolitan and the, the vanilla and strawberry would still be there and the chocolate was all gone. He's like, oh, we're out of ice cream. Like he would like try to, like, <laughs> you know, so, um, so, okay. Uh, but fair enough. All right. So it, like it was perfectly fine of a story, but like, I think you nailed it on the head that it just in a, like a story, like a, a book narrative, mm-hmm. I would, I would enjoy it a little bit more too, it, but here we are. <laughs> like, I feel like this could have been a 10 minute segment on the new, the new eighties twilight zone. Right. I've yeah. been like, Oh, okay, whatever. Anyway. All right. So next segment we have here is no such thing as a vampire. Um, here I'll, I'll, I'll do the cast. You can tell me who you got for what here. So we got, uh, Patrick, Patrick McInerney as Dr. Uh, Garia or Jiria. I, he said his name multiple times. I forget it. Um, he was in the episode judgment night, uh, from the original series playoffs. 90 played John Steed in the Avengers, the, the BBC series. So pretty famous guy. Um, and he was also later on in a view to a kill, uh, the howling. And then do you remember a TV show on TNT called thunder in paradise? I, I remember you guys talking about it during your other podcast. This is not something that I watched. No, no one should, but it's, um, it's Hulk Hogan and somebody else in like this, uh, like not swamp boat, but like this kind of like speedboat that, that it has like, like, um, like, um, I don't know a Knight Rider type button to it where it suddenly becomes like a badass boat. And it's so stupid. It's so stupid. Mm. So the fact that this gentleman so like, was like, yeah, it was like yeah. mask. You know? Yeah. Mask, but like just mask, but with like a, a head do rag and, um, a really, a really <laughs> a weird. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, this, ju- yeah, the other uh, note I wanted to bring about, um, uh, Mr. Uh, Patrick McNee. Uh, was uh, he was also in Waxwork as well? Okay, there we go. So um, next person we have here is uh, Anjanette uh, uh, Comer as Alexis. Um, but I just I have one note, Terry. Can you the tell baby. me? <laughs> <laughs> ding 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 baby. ding ding. Yeah, she was Anne Gentry in the Baby. She was the lead character in that movie. Um, and again, we've talked about the Baby multiple times. Um, watch it if if not. Uh, it's on shutter. I believe right now, just, just watch it. Uh, don't watch the trailer. Don't watch the trailer. Watch the movie. Like, please. Anyway. So anyway, uh, next person I have here is Elijah cook jr. As Carl, but it's spelled K a R E L. Um, he's going to be in one future segment of the 80s twilight zone. And he was also in, uh, 1941's the Maltese Falcon, the big sleep, uh, house on haunted Hill, Rosemary's baby. And we just talked about him actually. Uh, in the uh, Night Stalker, he was a Night Stalker. Oh, that's right. He was the um, real estate guy. He yes. was in the casino that he. Yes. Used. Yeah. All right. And then la- last person I have here is Horst Buckaltz as Michael, and he was in the Magnificent Seven. Yep, that's all I had as well. So, all right. So, uh, no such thing as a vampire starts with. Uh, we find out that we're like you know little little in the past. Um, Kinda. I don't know about you, Terry. I don't know if you saw some light switches, some electric light switches on in this house, but it's, it's set in the past sometime. Like I, like some like uh late 1800s, early 1900s, whatever. Right. Like it's they needed to turn some of those light switches on because I could barely see with the video transfer that I yeah. saw. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we find we find Alexa. She's uh, she wakes up in this like this like it's it is like this like gothic bedroom. Like uh, you know like say what you want about whatever, but like the set dressing wherever they shot this at, the interiors are, are good, right? Um, so like that you know that that's the stuff that can kind of hide your budget. Where it's like if you find a good location and just have some good camera placement, it looks good. Um, so she wakes up to find that she's been bitten like again. We find out that um, like she freaks out, and then that's when we get the the husband doctor Garia Geria whatever Gahira I don't know um, running through his mansion with the light switches and his uh, servant Carl um, to see like why she's screaming and she's worried she's dying and he and the doctor says that she won't um, and then that's kind of jumps off that's where we go with us but then we cut to um, a local vegetable wagon being drawn by horses what was this was this the original Hello Fresh that we got. I, I suppose so, but like I, I at first would it start rolling in, and especially since um, Alexi or Alexis is uh, like freaking out that she's gonna die. I was like, I thought this was a funeral wagon. Yeah, right. Through. Yeah, uh, but it was like the the, um, the blue apron wagon was coming to town, and um, and they drop off this big uh, order to Carl, and he brings brings this box up to the doctor. Who I like that to show that he's a doctor. He's just looking at a microscope. It doesn't explain why but he's just doing science. So I like that. Uh, and he, and so Carl opens the box and it's a bunch of garlic. And so we get the, like, so this starts off the thing where, um, Carl is like, you know, will this work? And, and the doctor's like, no, but if that's what she thinks will help, we're going to do this with the garlic. And there's also this, this notion that whatever's happening in this house, words getting out around town. And, you know, and so the doctor's like threatening to fire anybody that actually keeps talking out of turn. So that I sets like that the, up. Yeah, go ahead. I like the idea that that you know her husband, the doctor, is trying to maybe use the garlic as a placebo. You know, like yeah, if to, if, it, if it works for her, if she can like kind of get over it on her own, or at least give her some kind of, I don't know, I guess clarity, so she can get some rest. Then that's a really interesting idea, and I'm I'm, I'm glad that it was kind of like brought to the table like that. It, it's but a very it's a very scientific thought process of like, well, I don't think there's any benefit to this, but if this person believes there's benefit, then you know that will at least like give me some time to try to figure out what's up, you know, right. like. Um, and I think that's, I mean, we're, we were going to talk about how the story turns in a second, but I don't, again, I don't mind that kind of approach. And in a way it also, it kind of mirrors, um, I am legend that Matheson wrote where his, the main character there was figuring out like how, like the psychology of these, these creatures that was attacking his house that he found out in that book that these, you know, vampires, quote unquote, like if you took a cross to some of them, like it showed them across some of them were recoil. But other than others wouldn't because he started to figure out that whatever like belief they held as a human being was the thing that would repel them, you know? So like in some cases it'd be like the you know, star David or whatever might be the thing that would cause one of them to recoil. So it's like, I like that there's kind of analytical thinking put to this like vampire problem that we see Matheson like, and we, even with the night stalker, some of the, like the logical steps that was going on to find that vampire. I think that's a fun, like I, you could tell that Matheson, um, you know, approached this from a lot of different ways and you could have a lot of, a lot of fun stories because of it. Yeah. Like the, the idea of just changing the story up a little bit, which of course we are going to have one here. Yes. Uh, um, but it, yeah, the, the monster of the week storyline is, is cool. And that, and there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of vampire movies and vampire like episodes of shows that happened way back in the seventies and that it's like, 
So we're going to get a little spin here, and this is kind of interesting too. But um, but yeah, like uh, we get like his wife freaking out again, I believe. Well, yeah, like he's, he's, he's sleeping in front, like in front of a fireplace with like a book. Like he looks exhausted, and she wakes him up again, and her neck is like bleeding, and that's actually kind of an effective shot for a made-for-TV movie. Um, yeah, for yeah. sure, and like the fact that they're having blood. And a made-for-TV movie like this too was really interesting. I, I didn't think that it would have any blood like this. Yeah. So then um, we then cut to I think that's the commercial break. But then we see the town that's empty, and then we see a gentleman on a horse that we uh, find out that his name Michael eventually, and he's coming to town. And like, there's townsfolk that do the thing of like one of them walks out, and he's like, "Hey, can you help me?" And she's like, "That," and just runs away, and <laughs> somebody like pulls him inside. Um, and he's like just really confused by everything, rightfully so, you know. Um, so that he goes to the like this big estate and knocks on the door, and that's when the doctor answers the door. I like that when he walks in, you see these big like like almost like garlands of garlic hanging off the doors, like it is it is a Trader Joe's of garlic inside this house. Like it is, like you know, just whew. just I mean, I know that that's supposed to be the set for like the idea of the story, but could you imagine on set? I'm hoping that was all fake garlic because otherwise that set reeked, you know, like my God. Yeah. Probably everybody's clothes in the set probably smelled like it for weeks after too. And and, but, and I, know, I know we know people, they'd be like, well, that's still not enough garlic. I need more, you know? Well, I mean, that, that's my <laughs> wife. Completely. She loves, she, she loves garlic. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, she, yeah. that, that, at least if I know if she ever cuts out garlic, then I know that she is a vampire. So, because of how much she loves garlic but yeah it's a it's it's michael is apparently a family friend of some sort um and he has been kind of called out to to let him know that alexis is not doing well and i like this like the things like the doctor is going to tell him like all right, Michael, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you everything that's going on, but you're going to have to come in here and sit down. <laughs> like, yeah, this is going to be a little overwhelming for you, dude. Not, but the next line he says is like, yeah, you're probably a little surprised to see me here, aren't you? Like, he's like, he's like, Oh yeah. He's like, I was uh, expecting to see Carl. And, uh, but yeah, they go into what I believe is the doctor's study and he lays it all out on a line, but it, you know, just kind of like move this long that, um, she's afflicted by something and that if we don't figure this out soon, she's going to die and tells him that it's some kind of creature. Does he actually say the word vampire? I don't know if he does at this point. Um, like, he might say it later. I think, I think they say it because, because at one point, like when Michael's talking to him, he, like you got the doctor, he has his collar up and even like Michael kind of tips the collars. Like you've been bitten too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I think, I think they do say, I, I think they say at least once before we get to the, the, the bit here, I can't recall, but there is a, like, there's some discussion about this. Right. And then uh, we also find out that like, you know, there's the setup too with uh, Carl where he's talking about like where the doctor's like, yeah, I'm letting him like rest. Cause like he's run ragged. And I'm like, yeah, cause he's really serving the house now. And like, um, what was it that he's, uh, basically implied that like, he's, uh, like, a t- like, uh, like attacked like like creatures before or something. It was implied like he like he's ready to do something if need be, right? So yeah, Carl's danced before, so he's ready. He's ready to do what he's got to do. Yeah. So then, um, so then Michael like goes to visit Alexis, and they have like you know she like wakes up, sees him, and then like whatever, and we see the like over the shoulder. Uh, the doctors having none of this, whatever's going on there. Um, and then Michael's like, well, maybe we should just stay up tonight. 
and just wait for what's going to happen. And so they sit down for a second. And I like uh, when the, the doctor brings in a tea set and pours tea for Michael. And Michael goes to start drinking it. And he writes, he writes I wrote in my notes, he's like, I can scarcely taste uh, taste it with that stench of garlic in the air. So I think that's, you know, that's a telling moment. Um, but then they keep talking. And as um, they're kind of going through like the logical progressions of things, Michael starts getting a little, um, little loosey goosey, right? And a little out of sorts. And um, pretty quickly, he passes out, and the doctors just stared at him. It's like, oh, I guess, I guess I just drugged you in your tea. You know, he just uh, he he pulled a Cosby on him. Like it was a, uh, you know, pretty straightforward, pretty straightforward Cosbying. Yeah. So he he goes ahead over to his tool bag or whatever, and he pulls out the biggest syringe ever. All right. It's like, yeah. This thing is massive. And he goes over to Alexis's bedside and pulls off her bandage and pours like pulls out like a, a an astronomical amount of blood from her neck. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like like a like five hour energy <laughs> times two thing of blood. I'm like, come on, it's, guys. It's, it's not a V8. It's a V16s worth of uh, blood, um, which, it's, by it's, the way, did you notice the color of it like that? Um, that looked like Campbell's uh, tomato soup that he pulled out of her neck. Um, like it was, you know, almost orange. Uh, I wrote my notes here. I was like, that might be why she's dying. She's all full of soup. Well, they didn't really know. Yeah. She's all full of soup. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not forget that one year later in 78, we had Dawn of the dead. Remember what that blood looks like. So they didn't really get the formula. (laughs) Right. You know? I mean, he could have used chocolate. They could have used chocolate syrup, like in Psycho. <laughs> that might have worked a little bit better. Who knows? But like, just like the. So he takes this big syringe, and then while Michael's passed out, he just kind of squirts some of it over his mouth. But I'm like, for as much as you squirt on his mouth, you still have like 90 percent of that vi- like like syringe left. What are you doing? You know. Anyway, but yeah, that wasn't yeah. that wasn't a good choice on the props there. No, like it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's okay, but it's like I almost feel like, especially when we know what he does next, that you think you might have waited to do that part after, so that way you're not like, I don't know, causing a bigger mess, whatever. So, so yeah, uh, so the doctor carries Michael up to the attic and drags his body up there, and you find out that there's already a coffin up there. So he throws he throws him this coffin, closes the lid. Um, so in the morning he, uh, you know, acts like he's freaked out, goes and knocks on the uh, Carl's door and he's like, Oh, Oh, the monster attacked again. And he's like, you know, have we ever checked the basement or the attic after he said repeatedly how he searched the countryside that none of them ever bothered to check the empty rooms in the house. But Carl seems dumb enough to be like, you're right. I'll go look. Well, that's like the same logic of like, where are my car, my car keys? I don't know. Have you checked your pocket? And then they're in your pocket. Like, Damn, he's attacking multiple nights. What if he's actually in our gigantic house? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like there's have... rooms in that house that probably haven't even been opened mm-hmm. in years because, I mean, it's just this massive location. I would like if they did like a quick like uh, montage of them opening every room and it was just stuff full of garlic, like each one. <laughs> Uh, like, like more, more oh God. Yeah. And like, there's rolling out on the floor, you know, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> but then eventually they go to the attic and there's a bit where, uh, Carl's like, I'll look over here. Basically the doctor's doing everything. He's power to like, like, you know, like guiding Carl, like to his own discovery. Right. So Carl finds this, the coffin opens up and sees this vampire inside of it. And, you know, and that's whenever we get, uh, the doctor back downstairs, um, and, <laughs> 
he is talking to Alexis, right? Because like, well, we see like a, a scene too where Carl goes and grabs uh, what was it, a steak and a mallet, and goes back upstairs. Uh, you know, he Which grabs, he has in his underwear drawer, just yeah. in case. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> he he um he got he sent away. He had some box tops and got the Carl Kolchak uh, vampire killer set. And, um, you know, um, the, the, the Las Vegas, um, PD approved vampire killing set. And he, and he goes to, to, to take care of this vampire. And then the doctor's in, um, the bedroom with Alexis and there's a, a, like actually kind of a cool sequence where you have the doctor looking up at the ceiling as he sees that he's, hears the footsteps and follows them. And so then, you know, Carl does his job, kills Michael as a vampire, supposedly. And he tells Alexis like, oh, your nightmare is over. Or it's just begun because your lover's just been killed. <laughs> you know, it's pretty much what it is. So, and that, the, the kill scene's pretty gruesome and badass. Like, yeah, this stake being driven into Michael's heart. Like, I'm like, that's pretty badass. I like, I really, <laughs> I really like that scene. I just, I um, he wakes up and he's like, "Why do I smell like soup?" And he just dies. You know, whatever. Um, I hate tomato. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. So yeah, that's your, that's your segment. Like, um, I, you know, I kept, I kept waiting for the other shooter drop to be like the doctor being like, there's no such thing as a vampire. And then turn out that would be like, you know, like Alexis is the one, I don't know, like something I kept waiting for the turn to be like his lack of belief would be his undoing. I didn't see it coming that he basically took the lore of a vampire to just like to find, to trick somebody else into killing another person at a time where he purposely let the town think that there was a monster. So whenever he's going to come out of that mansion and be like, Oh, the monster's been killed. Everyone's going to be, Oh, thank goodness. We trust you, doctor. Thank you. It's very sinister. Well, and the fact that, um, you know, Carol or Carl, it looks like Carol, damn it. Um, is this vampire hunter, uh, uh, you know, in his past, it's like, even if that's not true, if like the authorities come in and be like, but he did it, you know? <laughs> like he, well, that, that's that true too. But it. like to him, everything he witnessed was like in line, all the, like all the evidence that he saw pointed to this thing happening. Right. And, so, and that, and that guy wins the award for the Holy shit. Look for horror films. Like so well, like yeah. he, because he's in, um, he's in a house on haunted Hill too. And like every time you saw that dude, he looked like he just had, jumped or dumped in his drawers so, <laughs> <laughs> so like good yeah. casting there <laughs> yeah no a fun segment like this is the one that like i um you know i was just like oh okay this is a, this is actually a pretty good swerve right like it's it's not it's not a perfect segment but i do it has a good button on it which i don't think we've had a good button on a segment in quite a while right like sometimes with the twilight zone and everything you want that like you know that last little like oh no and then you're out Right. I think that has a pretty good one of those. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I didn't expect it to go this way either. Um, this one was pretty, pretty good. Uh, so yeah, we're, uh, we're gearing up for number three here, uh, which is called Bobby. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, this one's got a very small cast. So, uh, Joan Hackett, uh, is in this, she plays Ella. She was in an episode of twilight zone, original series, a piano in the house. And then oh. she was in an episode of a LD Alfred Hitchcock hour. Thank you. Like I missed the, the twilight zone connection. That's, I mean, it was a Hamner episode, so I think I'm okay. And that's the same one that we just talked about for asylum. So whatever, uh, she was in uh, 1974's the terminal man. It was my only one note. That was a, a Crichton book that got turned into a movie that I've not seen. The book was pretty good for its time. 
I mean, like, like I read it later, obviously I didn't read it in 74 cause I wasn't around, but knowing when it was set, like it was set in like the modern day, but then reading it later, pretty cool little book. Um, and then we got uh, Lee Montgomery as Bobby, uh, which I wrote in my notes, body B O D D Y. Cause I can't type right. Um, and then he, uh, he was in burnt offerings and he was in the movie Ben, which was the sequel to Willard. So, yeah. yeah. And there was a big, uh, Michael Jackson, uh, Jackson five song that kind of came out of that too. Yeah. So yeah. But, uh, yeah. And, then, uh, uh, the last credit I'll list at least is, uh, could be Lars green. He plays dwarf. We'll get into that, but he was, uh, the only other credit for him was he was an Ewok in uh return of the Jedi. Oh, well, I mean, you know, it's a living, right? So, it's a living. Yeah. I mean, if somebody <laughs> paid me to be an Ewok, I'd be an Ewok. I don't care. They, I'd, they'd be like, well, I, I feel like I'd be like, I'd feel like I'd be like Buddy the Elf of the Ewoks, though. Like, I'd be like just like three times the size of them. You know, anyway. It, there's still, a lot of know. things. There's a lot of things I'd be if the price is right. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, just letting you guys know, just reach a uh, private message us. We're, we're open <laughs> to talking about it. That's fine. Um, so you can find us now on OnlyFans. As <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Twist rating there means something completely different um, for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and also, um, whereas this also means something really different than OnlyFans as well. Well, maybe it takes longer according to how big it is. Well, this is a big one, all right. Yeah, downright it's big. It just means a little something different. So anyway. Um, anyway, so let's get into Bobby. This is the one. I know that like this is going to be the one that you're chomping at the bit to get to. Rightfully so. Right. Yeah. So this is this one's a little wackadoo, every guy uh, like everybody guys. So it's like the dude like this one there's so many things going on in it, but there is I think this is a little too long of a segment, but I'll let's do it. Yes. Um <laughs> so we get um Ella and she is coming home, and she had just r- recently purchased some supplies. And she starts cleaning up her house and then setting up said supplies. And that's when she gets a phone call. But we get a really good um, upstairs shot shooting down to the floor level. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see what she's kind of preparing. And it basically is an altar, um, maybe something of witchcraft or something like that. And we find out. That the guy that's on the phone, which I don't have the credit for, but there is a gentleman that she's talking on the phone with. It must have been her husband. And they are disbanded now uh, because they had a son that passed away. And she can't really kind of cope with it. So they have broken up at this point. And her husband, or ex at this point, keeps on telling her that she needs to you know, start talking to somebody about this. Call your mother. She, you need to get some help. Mm. It's, you know, it's been a period of time. We need to, we need to figure this out because she is in the understanding that he's not dead. Is that what she said? Or so, okay. So like the way it kind of like, so I want to point out though, like in this segment, um, the, the, what I was, what really drew me initially was like how matter of fact, like her looking like she's coming home with like the brown bag or whatever. And then with her like scrubbing the floor and then she, like she goes outside on the balcony and looks at like the water below, like this, like, like sheer cliff side and like water crashing. Right. And then when she goes back in, she pulls out these large black candles out of the bag. And then like, she starts like, do it's like, this is all without any type of commentary and without any type of dialogue. Like, that was like, oh, this is kind of working. But then uh, when she's talking to her husband, ex-husband, uh, he was like, talk to your mom. And she's like, I'm fine. And it's like, and and he's like, you know, 
says something about Bobby and she's like, I'm fine. It's like, I could like not even two months ago, if I even mentioned his name, you would lose it. And she's like, I've learned, I've let it go. And he's like, I, you know, basically he's like, I don't trust you. Like, cause I've basically like, you get the implication that she has been like, um, just complete, um, panic, right. Since the death of her son. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. And, um, and she's like, no, I'm fine. He's like, okay, well, you know, like, have you stopped calling those psychics and everything else? She's like, no, she's like, I'm past all that now. While there's this big drawing on the floor of whatever it is, it kind of looked like a shuffleboard, like scoring triangle. You know what I mean? Like, it just looked like, oh, you're just going to go to the other side of the house and do another one. You're just going to like, I'm just use some shuffleboard for nefarious means anyway. But I like how it's like, it's like a symbol I've never really seen in that type of like ritual setting. It, and it looks, it almost looks like, um, I don't know. It, it looks like something from like a Greek, uh, like fraternity or something. something. Like that. Yeah. It looks like it, it would be like a, like a shoulder, like a, like a sleeve patch to some kind of mem- like members group or something. Right. Anyway. So, so yeah, she, um, she's like, no, I'm fine. He's like, okay, whenever, um, you know, like I'll, I'll call in later night. She's like, okay. And then we see her that it cuts to her wearing all black and she's, uh, lighting some candles and she's reading from this old book. Um, and so I, uh, I wrote, uh, I wrote, it's just a bunch of hoax pocus, Terry. I just want to let you know. That's what I thought about that. Anyway. Um, she didn't like the black candle though. Yeah, that's true. Um, so there's some very specific words that she's saying with this and, uh, she goes into this, it's like a dark and stormy night, very perfect. And she's like calling out like to command, like whatever this deity is. And she's like, you know, bring back to me, my son who died in an accident by drowning. Um, so then, you know, um, like, it's like to have it be returned to me. And, and it looks like that the whole thing goes through and it cuts to later on. She's just wearing like a, like a regular nightgown. You almost get the notion that it feels like it didn't work. You know, like, I think they could have let that linger a little bit to see her reaction of like her waiting and then nothing happening. Cause I think that would have been an interesting tell for like how far she's going to try to get her son back. Yeah. That, that, that makes a whole lot of sense, especially because this is something that she's been gearing up towards. It seems like, you know, gathering information, figuring out how to do the ritual, obviously painting the big thing on the floor and all that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just seems like, well, that didn't work. I guess I'm going to drink a glass of warm milk and go to sleep. It was, it just, just yeah, didn't have yeah, any of that. I drink time my, I drink my night milk and go to sleep. So then, um, so the, no, it, like as it's storming out, she hears this knocking at the door and she goes down and, uh, like this, like light knocking. And eventually you hear like, like, uh, credit to the kid. His voice is just, it's like for 77, this, this kid sold the hell out of the voices, like everything he was required to do dialogue wise. Um, and he's like, mommy, mommy. And she's like, she opens the door and then she's like, Bobby. It's like, well, who else do you think it was going to be? Like you were asking for, you know, what, like, you don't know who you called out to, to have your son returned. Like, who did you think was going to be at the door? Like the pizza delivery guy? Like, I don't know. You know, like, like you didn't leave a tip. Uh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, like, but he's like, you know, huddled like on the ground, like just looks like he's just like soaked all the way through. She brings him in and, um, and then she's like ecstatic, you know, and you know, and she's asking him a ton of questions and she's like, well, what happened? He's like, I woke up and I remembered who I was and I walked miles and miles to the house. And like, that's weird. But then she gets him like, as she gets him upstairs and tries to warm him up. Cause he says he's really, really cold. Um, you know, she keeps kind of like peppering with questions and he seems 
like a little out of sorts to begin with, which I wouldn't blame him, you know, like that's, it's just a weird night, you know? And, and like, it's also a kid, like, how's he going to have all the answers? So yeah. Yeah. And like, he's been sitting out there freezing for whoever knows how long Mm -hmm. supposedly. And uh, it's like, maybe he's going in the shock. Yeah. So then as they're talking, um, he's like, well, now I'm hungry. And then she gets him downstairs and she's also like, well, we'll go, we'll go to the doctor tomorrow too. And he's like, why? She's like, just to make sure you're okay. And then she's like, well, like, and this is the part that I didn't cut the audio because it was just the, the way it was all together was a little jumbled. Uh, she's like, well, what, what to eat? And he's like, well, I don't know. And she's like, you know what? I'll, you know, I'll make one of those sandwiches you like, um, you know, that like all kids favorite food sandwiches. <laughs> well, I think the other, the other thing that was kind of interesting too, is, uh, he, she said that we were worried about you or something like that. It was either to the extent of we were worried about you or we, we missed you. Yeah. And he says, who missed me? Like, who's we? And he said, you know, your father and I. He's like, ah, where is he at? It's like, oh, ah, this is like a weird line of questioning. It's like, yeah. it's almost like if you were to talk to a stranger you invited your into your house, like, ah, is that other person here? <laughs> yeah, well, cause they, they, well, also before, like with the sandwich thing, she's like, if, I, if, if your dad knew I was giving you tuna fish at this time of night, I'm like, what's that even mean, by the way? Like, like, was he a gremlin? Like, you're like, you like, he'd have tuna fish past a certain hour. But anyway, because start- we made a better choice too of what kind of sandwich was being yeah, served to the kid. Like, he just came out of the the, the ocean. Wall, yeah, it's like, like hey, yeah, you know, let's, let's give, let's give you, um, let's, <laughs> let's, let's give you fish. Snacking on, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what you, you know what you could probably go for right now? A nice cold glass of salt water. Did you want that too? <laughs> Uh, no. Um, anyway, no, but he starts asking like how many doors there are in the house. And he asks about like, you know, like his questions get weirder and weirder. And then he was like, you know, was I a good boy? And did you love me? Uh, and were you nice to me? And it's like, at first she's kind of like answering his questions, but she's getting a little like, what is going on here? And, um, and he keeps like speaking in like past tense. And then she's like, of course I love you now. And it's like, you know, and all this stuff. And, um, and he's like, well, why did those people find me on the beach? And she's like, I, you know, I, I don't know, you know? And, um, it's like from that point, like I, again, the made for TV movie, this is very uncomfortable. It's a, it's a, it's a well done sequence. Yeah. And the, the way he's delivering these questions now, his demeanor is changing. It's become a lot more, um, serious in tone and it's, it's at a point now where it's in like a threatening manner. And she's like, well, Hey, just like relax and just eat your sandwich. And now he's like, I don't want the sandwich. I'm not hungry. And he freaks out on her and throws the food off the, off the table on that. And it's just like, then he runs away and it's like, but what the hell's going on now? Well, cause he and, wanted to play a game. He's like, he's not hungry now. And he wants to play a game. And then she's like, we can play games tomorrow. He's like, no. And he just like throws all the food off the table and runs off. And then this becomes like this whole thing where the audio of him, the way he's taunting his mom is it's, I mean, it, it's funny in the sense of like, you know, like if, if you're watching the group of people, it'd probably make people laugh, but it's also kind of really upsetting because again, credit to the, the, the kid actor here. He does a really good job of this, making it all sound terrible. Like as in like, like upsetting the way he's talking, you know, and being sing song about it. It's effective. Yeah. The only thing I would have changed about this, uh, and it was somewhat irritating is his name's Bobby. He keeps on calling her mommy. So everybody, the the whole like lining is mommy, Bobby, mommy, Bobby. And it's like, okay, 
could they could have picked a better name just so it wasn't bouncing off of each other like that. That's true. I agree with that. So as he runs off, he uh, goes and like make sure that um, was it the power's cut off. Uh, he breaks a mirror in front of her, uh, like taunting her, and then she started to get frustrated while this is all going on, and she starts being like, "Okay, we're done now." And then this is the like the the first really revealing part of the story where he's like, he's like, "That's the way you used to talk to me." I'm like, "Oh, look at this. Maybe our our main character isn't as um as innocent as we once thought." I thought that was an interesting element to bring into this. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. But, um, you know, like now we have like some real like scary moments too, because he killed the power to the house. Um, he eats, he like, he, there's a phone call that happens. I know I'm probably mixing up some of the timelines here. No, but no, it's it, like, it's fine. Cause like, like what happens is at one point she's talking to him and he pushes like this large pot to plant off the, like the second floor, like, um, balcony or whatever. It almost kills her supposedly. I mean, she does try, I mean, that's a pretty heavy looking, um, uh, pot plant. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. Like, I think it's made out of concrete. It's yeah, definitely it's, yeah. the poor choice to put somewhere in that. Yes. Right. That's a bad, I, I regardless, that's a safety hazard. Um, and then, uh, the phone rings, it's her husband and she starts talking about like, you know, what's going on with with Bobby and everything. But then about halfway through everything she says, and this is creepy. He starts just repeating it. And eventually she catches on. She's like, why are you repeating what I'm saying? And then eventually he starts cackling and it shifts to the, like the, the voice of Bobby. And he's like, okay, well it's time for you to hide now. And then at that point she actually goes and grabs the phone cord. It's already been cut. So whatever was going on that phone, it wasn't a phone call that came from outside the house. Like it was like, it's something other, otherworldly. And I thought that was really creepy too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it, 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 in a lot of moments, uh, the way that the audio is brought in from mm-hmm. Bobby, it kind of sounds like it's in her head, not necessarily like coming from a different room of the house. Yeah. It's just really like, and it's not in every scene. So I don't know if that was just because, of the way that they did the audio tracking for this, or if they were trying to imply that she was going nuts. Yeah, maybe it could have been both. Right. Uh, but so then, uh, she goes and hides and he, uh, does like that. He starts a countdown on the phone. Right. And then like, whatever. And so then she goes and hides in like this kitchen closet, like a pantry. And then there's him being like, where is mommy? This whole thing. It's like, he's like, Oh, this knife, this is a good knife. <laughs> like, he's like, where would she be hiding? That's a good place to hide. It's like, ugh, you know, and she's freaking out. And then he goes to turn the doorknob and he's like, Oh, I heard you upstairs. Very clever mommy or whatever. So of course we all know the moment she goes to open that door, that kid's right there. But I like that. She like clocks him in the head and just hightails it out and goes to the garage. Uh, and then goes to her car and tries to get it started. It won't start. So she hides in the car. He breaks the rear window. Um, she gets out, runs to the bedroom. He breaks him with a mallet of some sort, like a hammer, um, which is a, a cool sequence too. And then she grabs a gun. Uh, and I, in my note here, she gets a fun. That's not what I meant to write. Uh, she gets a gun and shoots him and sends him out the, like the, the, like the bedroom, like big picture window and down to the rocks and water. Right. So, um, so yeah, that's uh that's where we think things are going to end, but then she's like I got to get out of here, rightfully so. Bobby's downstairs waiting for her, right? And then that's when we get the other part of this too where it's like, you know, you lied. Um mommy, it's like, you know, he, you know, he didn't Bobby didn't like, you know, die by accident. Bobby uh went purposely and killed himself cuz he didn't want to be near her. He hated her, right? That's the big thing we find out. 
And, um, and then eventually, cause it, like some, she goes running back upstairs. He's up the top of the stairs as well. Like, cause by this time physics, like have no, like that doesn't make sense. It's fine. This kid was out a window and now he's downstairs. Now he's upstairs. Don't question it. Um, and then he's like, that's why Bobby sent me, you know, and it's like, and then who, who is that? Um, it's something different, Terry. Describe what, what happens there in that last second. Well, it's there's just enough shadow in the scene when um, this thing is coming down the steps. And the thing, the best way to describe it is like the thing has like long, dark hair now and like blacked out eyes. And the eyes, like, well, the like blacked out shadowing around the eye sockets. And like the face, the face is like somewhat gaunt. Yeah. And just it's. It's it's pretty pretty effective. I don't know if it's like probably the best choice, but and it's it comes with these like green ass teeth. It's like it's coming right at her, and it and that's it. Cutscene. That's it. Yeah. So whatever it is is like was sent in his place, right? So she called something for her. Bobby didn't want to come back, and um and she's out, and that's the end of the that's the end of your movie. So if, yeah. if anybody remembers the Twilight the Twilight Zone the movie the very, very first segment where Dan Aykroyd turns yeah. into the monster, it, it kind of invokes that if that, if there gives a little a, bit, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a fair statement. Right. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's Bobby. Um, I, um, I like to say, I, I agree with you. Maybe it went a little too long, especially with what they're trying to do. You could have trimmed this down a little bit. However, um, there's plenty enough in this that like, I really dug the segment, something about like the, the practical nature of her. Like I'm always, there's something about like this, not, not domestic, but like day to day life thing that always catches me off guard that we're like, it's almost, it's done a little bit more campy, but it's almost like the beginning of tales from the dark side, the movie with that frame story of where we have, um, was it Debbie Harry in the kitchen, like getting things ready. To, mm. to cook and then we eventually find out that she has a child dungeon adjacent to the kitchen which makes no sense but it's like you just see something in their kitchen preparing stuff and it doesn't look out of the ordinary until you realize like oh she's going to kill that kid like so there's something with this where it's like she has come home like from the grocery store or you know i like hey i'm just gonna say this because i think it'd be funnier hobby lobby to buy black candles um to you know someone <laughs> to do a ritual um you know, like, and something about that, like, I almost felt like this would have played a lot better if there had been, like, zero dialogue, like, not not zero dialogue, but almost as us as an observer to her grief and, the, like, the lengths she would go to get the to get him back. I think we could have lingered in that a little bit longer before we got, like, this all this exposition with the phone call and everything. Um, but I dug this. I thought this was a really solid segment. I, I thought it was... I thought it was pretty cool. Um, again, just like the subtle things that I would have changed about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bobby having a different name. And I think this was just a, a tad too long. And it like it really felt like a different version of the the, the Zuni fetish doll story from uh, Trilogy of Terror. Yeah. It just, you know, supplement the voodoo doll with with a kid. <laughs> Probably <laughs> Well, that that's um, that's that's fair. I also think that they should have just went ahead and put the makeup on the kid, you know, like make him look weird as opposed to whatever. Like, what it's it, it is what it is. Maybe we're even like through transitions of different scenes in that we could have had the makeup appear on him a little bit by a little bit by a little bit, like him becoming a little bit more monstrous. But like, you know, the outcome of like this, well you know, Bobby sent me, that's a, I thought that was really interesting. Cause I sat there for a second. I was like, 
what did what what's going on now and then you yeah. see the creature and i so also was, yeah and i like too that we're supposed to be sympathetic to her until we're not you know i think that's kind of a nice little double fake yeah we can know. kind of fill in the spaces yeah. of uh, what what bobby was actually feeling when he ultimately decided to end his life yeah so yeah um uh, so overall trilogy of terror, it got better as it went along in my opinion. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> um, I know, like, I don't know if you have any, like any actual notes or anything and I'll, I'll I'm going to play the twist rating, not for, like just because we got to, but I'll kind of quantify it. Um, but any other notes for uh, dead tonight? No, that was all I had. All right. Twist rating normally is one through five, one being we saw it from a mile away and five being mind blowing. I'm just going to ask you like, what was your favorite twist of this, of the, of the three? And then what would you rate that? Um, I'm going to say that the, the second story, uh, no such thing as a vampire was my favorite segment. Mm -hmm. And I think it not being an actual vampire story uh, was my favorite part about it. Like it just becoming this, uh, revenge storylines. Like I thought that was pretty cool. Okay. So what would you give that a one or like five, 17? Like what? Like, I, I'd give it a four. Okay, like four. I really, I was not expecting. And I wasn't outcome. either. I will agree that I think Bobby was my favorite segment, but I think that was my favorite, like, you know, rug pull, right. Of like it actually being like just a guy using the lore of a vampire to, to nefarious, you know, means as opposed to actually being supernatural. That was cool. Uh, so I think four's right. I'm going to also, I also want to give it a five for not expecting to see soup come out of a woman, uh, her neck. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so, uh, yeah, dead of night, it, you know, um, you know, I was maybe hoping for just a little bit more overall, but still a fun little watch. Um, people check it out. You can easily find it online. Just you, you can, it's, it's there. It's, I mean, it's, you can rent it too, but I don't think anybody's, um, being, a uh, too worried about if you can just find this like on a regular stream, like, you know, like, um, like a YouTube or something it's there to watch. Go, go check it out. It's something like, like it's an easy watch. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Check it out. Uh, I, I think that, you know, especially since we've had all these discussions about Dan Curtis and, you know, Matheson, it's, it's just nice to see another little, uh, part of their career and mm -hmm. what the things that they've done. Yeah. So, all right. That's going to do it for our discussion about Dead of Nights. You guys can find us on Facebook at Strange Highways. Uh, you guys can email us directly at um, um, Strange Highways Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us, be greatly appreciated. And Terry, where can people find us otherwise? Uh, we're on Instagram, folks. Uh, unfortunately, I've been a little busy lately, so I haven't been updating it as much as it should be. Uh, but yeah, we're on there, uh, still connecting with, with people. Uh, hopefully you'll become part of that fun and become part of this discussion with us through any part of social media. We really, really enjoy the feedback and, you know, being challenged. Like I would really love to hear other people's suggestions. Some of these came by, uh, uh, fans, uh, like our last discussion of, uh, the night stalker was, uh, uh, brought to us by one of our good friends, uh, El Goro. So, uh, hopefully we'll hear some of those suggestions soon. Yeah. So speaking of uh, the El Goro, I'm just going to tell everybody, uh, I, I know we posted it here on social media and the, uh, on our Facebook, but uh, in between the, um, the Night Stalker and this episode, I uh, had the, the 
um, fortunate uh, chance to get on Talk Without Rhythm. I, uh, El Goro is always a gracious host, um, and to, he is doing his current his his October discussions, which Terry, you're on for the first week, uh, the first main show of the month, talking about Friday Thirteenth Part One and Two. Um, I was on there recently for episode. Uh, it is six forty one, talking about um, Jason X from two thousand one. Uh, one of Terry, his favorite movies of all time. Uh, and um, Friday the 13th, the remake, uh, requel, something, something from 2009. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I'm sure it was a great discussion about two films. You're not going to take the bait. I know, I know, I know, I know. We've, we've had, uh, um, you know, we've had our discussions. Uh, but yeah, uh, it was a lot of fun to get on there and talk about that. So people want to check that out. Please, please do. Uh, and also check out Al Gore's 31 Days of Halloween. It is, um, it, it just, the, he, he's a workaholic. I mean, he, he accuses me, Terry, you'll appreciate this. He accuses me of actually talking longer over the course of this show and the other show I do invasion of the podcast in terms of like minute by minute, like talking, he, he, he argues that I've done more talking this month than him. I say that's bullshit. I say that's absolute bullshit. Uh, he has been putting out like, you know, 20, 30 minute episodes each day and, and on top of his regular episodes and people like, if you want some ear candy, Right. You want, like, if you want some spooky times, like this is going to come out, like, you know, obviously we're going to be at the end of the month, but if you're looking for other ways to get some more Halloween, like stuff to listen to, like more scary stuff. Cause he watches like it's 31 days. He talks about a movie he's never seen. So he's going through 31 movies he's never seen. And it also like for everybody else, there's some like, you're like, Oh, I've never heard of this. I'm going to check it out. Right. So, um, yeah, go check yeah, it get out. Get a notebook ready because uh, he really does have some great suggestions for films. Absolutely, in general. But like the Thirty One Days of Halloween, he always brings up something that I've never heard of. Just com- completely off my radar, and now it's, it's like it's become like a complete favorite of mine. Yeah, absolutely. So people check that out. Check out the discussion of Jason X. Um, you know, probably my second favorite Friday Thirteenth film, Terry. Well, I'm glad you feel that way about that. <laughs> no, <film. laughs> no, it's it's up there though. Like I, I feel like it and six are kind of bookends to each other. So if people want to fight me on that, please do. Uh, I know Terry and I are no longer going to be talking. Uh, this is our last episode, people. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, so we're divided. That's it. We're that's completely. It. Yeah, goddamn Jason X. Anyway, so yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, um, we're taking the week off. Uh, we had a bunch of detours. Uh, we want to kind of have like a Halloween weekend and just kind of like, and you guys too have a good Halloween weekend. Have fun, eat, you know, a bunch of candy if you want. Um, you know, check out some spooky stuff, watch a lot of things, have fun, like just, you know. It's Halloween, right? It's, yeah. it's uh, you know, like, why not? But we're taking a week off so we can enjoy our Halloween weekend, which I know Halloween's on a Monday, but whatever, the weekend before. And then what's going to happen is the second week of November, we're getting back to the Twilight Zone. Um, so we'll be getting into Season 1, Episode 13, Segment A, Night of the Meek. It's an update of um, the Christmas segment from the original series. So um, th- that feels more appropriate a little closer to the holidays than um, Halloween. So I hope you guys will be join us for that as well. Yeah. Let us know. You've been watching for your uh, spooky movies and that, and like your spooky spectaculars. Um, but yeah, so we'll talk to you soon about uh, some Christmas stuff. Cause you know, everybody wants that right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I know Terry's angry because like, the, like it's like a week before Halloween and all of the fall beers are out of the grocery stores now. Like they're all gone. 
So I know. Oh, trust you know. me, I've had I've had enough, dude. <laughs> <I've> <laughs> had enough. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So, uh, everybody, have a good week. Have a a happy and safe Halloween. And uh, in the meantime, um, I'd say maybe uh, eat more soup or maybe less soup. I don't know. If you have so much soup in your body that it just gets it, it's easily punctured, maybe you know not have as much soup. But it is getting cold outside, so have the appropriate amount of soup. Is what I'm saying. Damn it, Bobby. I want to play a game now! Stop it!